0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to 239 sensitive in Southwest Florida and beyond. And we are doing a podcast slash live episode today. We have the famous legendary, this guy's unbelievable, good friend of mine. I've known him for what, 15 years, Mr. Frank Rostron, Mr. Shirt sure in town. Mr. Shirt, sure, we're going to go through this whole thing. Frank, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. Now Frank is kind of it's kind of funny because Frank goes, Hey, you know, I'm I'm a little bit tied up on this one. I'm not I'm not sure you're gonna ask me questions. I said, Oh yeah, I'm gonna ask you some questions. All right. I'm gonna freaking hammer you on questions, a lot of questions. Now, if you don't know Frank, you probably I'm sure you've seen him around town. Frank is very um, I would say very much a character, I should say. And Frank has moved to Naples to Paradise. And one of the reasons why we're gonna have him on is we he he has put out this Amazing book, and I actually have spent quite a bit of time this week reading it. We're going to talk about this book. This is a, an amazing book. It's it's about Frank. It's an autobiography about Frank's life. Frank, why in the hell did you put out an awesome book like this?
1: Well, over the years, you know, because of my job, I mixed in different circles all because of my job. I was a custom shirt maker, so I was all over the world uh, selling shirts. And lots of stories happened to me that don't happen to normal people in life. So every time I told a story to someone, a friend or whatever, they go, wow, you've got to write a book. Because things that happened to me didn't happen, doesn't happen to most people. So over 20 years, people said, you must write a book, you must write a book. When COVID happened, me and my wife were sat at home, down the pool, and she said, listen, why, why do you write your book now? So I went and got a laptop and started making notes in the notebook, and that's it, the book.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So now the, the title of it, the title of it is The Life and Crimes of Frank Rostron. And then on the very bottom is From Poverty to Paradise and Nearly Everything in Between. So I can tell you this book is scandalous. It's got some good shit in it. I've known Frank for a long time. He's always told me how crazy he is, but you've got to get this book. We're going to show you exactly how to get it. And Frank's a, a, a guy that lives right here in Naples. He, he, he loves it here.
1: I retired here, of course. I had a home here. I had a home in uh, Mallorca, Spain. And um, when it was time to retire, which was about 16 years ago, I was going to keep both homes and spend the winters here, the summers there. But I thought, why? You know, live here, sell Mallorca, and I'm here full time. And I love it. I love every day.
0: Yeah, and we're going to talk about how you ended up in Naples. That's kind of an interesting story. Um, I will tell you this, that Frank is very much a, a creature of habit. He does things very much... Routine, I guess, is the best way to put it. He likes his routine. And, you know, him and I go way back and not long ago we went out to dinner and he's like, wasn't comfortable necessarily with a restaurant. He's like, I wanna, I wanna go and and now I understand it. I want to go into places where people know me. I want the fanfare. I love it. I love the energy. And you know, you you can be found. Where where can you be found for the most part now if you want to give that secret information out?
1: Every morning, 8 till 9, 30, seat a table for my coffee. Then I do my walk, different walks, downtown or uptown or whatever. Then lunch. And then I'm looking forward to going out for dinner in the evening with a buddy or with my wife, whichever.
0: Yes, lovely wife, Jane. I'm going to talk about her. She's a good friend of mine, actually. She's a, a fellow real estate professional locally. She does a great job. She's phenomenal. Now, is this shit in your book real? There's no way that this stuff is real in your book. There's no way that... Frank Rostron got away with the shit he did.
1: Every single word, and a lot's been toned down because it would just be impossible to put the everything in. But it's tone every word's truth.
0: Is it is it truth and toned down or
1: yeah, truth and toned down and it is. I can't believe it it says, it's toned it, down. He says nearly everything. There's lots, lots more. But the book would be, as I said, it'd be thicker than the Bible if I put everything <laughs> in.
0: Now, Frank Rostron, you were born in Manchester, England, right? Yeah, outside
1: Manchester, Middleton Middleton, 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 right? Yeah, Middleton,
0: yeah. and Check out this. He was born on New Year's Day, 1950. Yeah. 1950. That makes you freaking like 140 years old.
1: 142, actually. 100...
0: <laughs> Frank...
1: <laughs> I was the only baby born in town on that day. It's never happened before. I was the only baby born on that day.
0: On that day. Yep. Usually there's a what couple. Two or Two ten or three. Whatever, yeah. I was the, only, the only baby. Yeah. I I read that. On on new and and I know every year you usually have a little get together you know, on that day to celebrate your birthday. I've been fortunate to attend one of those. That's yeah, a good yeah. good thing. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about it. Now, we kind of jump quickly, but Frank is a shirt maker, and not just a normal shirt maker. I mean, this guy, if you look him up, Frank Rostron, his company still lives today. The name, you know, it's, you know, right up there with Louis Vuitton, uh, all those big ones, Tommy Hilfiger. Frank is the man. In England and is like I said your your custom shirt making um, stores and your salons and stuff they're still going today but tell me a little bit about how this started
1: where we came from in those days it was all cotton mills in England Lancashire was the producer cotton for the world my mum and everybody in our town used to work in these cotton mills owned by multimillionaires, and there'd be thousands of people working a mill weaving cotton and there was hundreds of these mills And my mum and all my family worked in them, and she brought some cotton home. I worked in Manchester. She brought the cotton home to make aprons for herself for work. And I said, give me some. I had a shirt made for myself. My buddies liked it just to do it really quick. They liked it. They had one made. I earned two pounds a shirt. I was only an eight pound a week, so I earned 25 percent of my wages that week. Some of the guys had more, and it just went on from there.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about, like, if you're, like, what's a pound? Because because you did eight, because I, I read in your first job, in John Michaels, right? Yeah. You were making eight pounds a week. Yeah. And you actually were able to produce a shirt for one pound and sell it for three. Yeah. You ripped off your buddies. I didn't get the money. It was cheap. <laughs> Frank is cheap. You haven't changed, Frank. You haven't changed. He's a multimillionaire, but he's like, well, he always him and I, we, we go out, we try to find the, the cheapest place where we can drink happy hour. No, So no, no, yeah, yeah. what was it like a pound equal to? Now, today, it's like one, it's Euro. One,
1: $1. ten cents, but it's usually okay. one dollar twenty five, one dollar okay. fifty. OK, so sim-
0: similar pound is similar to yeah. a little bit more than a dollar. Yeah. Right. But yeah. yeah. So not a lot of money back then, but I guess in eight, in nineteen fifty or at eighteen years onto that yeah. nineteen sixty eight or so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's was decent, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, very good.
0: Now okay. one thing I don't understand is like you're eighteen years old. Okay, let's go back. You started when you were real young. You said you grew up in poverty. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And you mentioned in your book you lived in the council.
1: Yeah, a government-owned house. Okay, that's what I want to know. It's like a government-owned house. We paid rent. Um, We had two bedrooms upstairs. My mum would have one. I'd have the other one. We'd have a bathroom upstairs, a small bathroom, no toilet. The toilet was outside in the yard. So if you were to go to the bathroom at 3 a.m., you had to go outside, literally outside, and then go into the toilet to use the bathroom, you know.
0: That's crazy. And your dad passed away when he was like 52 years old, right? Yeah,
1: my dad was a double amputee. He had no legs.
0: and you you said basically you attributed that to his health and his way he lived his life a little
1: bit poor lifestyles, they smoked he smoked, eating bad food you know, and that was it I mean I thought my mom was the greatest cook in the world until I was 19 and I went to a
0: restaurant and I realized (laughs) she was the worst cook in the world and you talk about that you said you when you were a young kid and I think this is probably in general you didn't know you were living in poverty no, because
1: we didn't know anyone rich we didn't know anyone who had a car we didn't know anybody who went to Spain on holiday so we thought well we until I was 15 16 that was normal you
0: know it's kind of like me living in Naples I think I'm doing all right but you know I just ventured down to a port, different part of the time, exactly. yeah, Port Royal Royal harmony on yeah, those yeah, yeah. yeah so no so your story is basically you started from pretty much nothing mm. and then you ended up in paradise here in Naples um, a lot of stuff in between though let's talk about like the in-between when you were fairly young, I mean, you talk about going to, you know, in your book, you talk about going to these clubs and these girls and this craziness that went on in Manchester and once in a while into England. Tell us a little bit about that. Well,
1: I started going to clubs when I was 14, 15, because I loved Aha. soul music.
0: You could do that in Europe?
1: Yeah, but I didn't go in. I was just stood outside just because it was cool. Watching so, the
0: mopeds, right? Watching
1: Scooters. Scooters. Mods. scooters. We, were, we were mods, yeah. Mods. mods. Yeah. There was mods and rockers. Um uh-huh so i'd be outside at 14 15 and you know but it, the girls thing didn't start obviously so i was 17 18 19
0: yeah so but you were always like digging this this girl stuff i mean early on and you put yourself in positions where you probably you even said in your book that you probably should have never been like when i say that i mean you you had to gift of gab to get yourself into these certain clubs i yeah. mean you met the owners and you didn't want to just go in and just hang out. You wanted to freaking be the well, man.
1: But by, by this time you're talking, I had my store. So the owners used to come in my store for sure. So they became friends. So of course I, I knew them. But before that, when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I didn't know the owners. So I had to pay to get in or I didn't go in, you know, work outside.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you, but you hung around that, the culture, the life yeah, and yeah. everything. and And you were pretty proud about your scooter at the time
1: first thing that girls loved was 16 years old it
0: was fantastic i guess it would be like us because when i was a kid i used to have a motorcycle way 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 too early mm. i mean i got i got a motorcycle license in maine you can get a motorcycle license before you get your car license i was 15 years old driving around in a freaking honda nighthawk 650 doing wheelies down the road yeah, crazy 16, yeah. crazy right so tell us a little bit about as you progress now your first job
1: my first job was uh, a jeweler's okay beaver books of jewelers um how i started work um we had our last soccer game of the season on a saturday the exams to go to the next school was on a tuesday i didn't go back to work on a uh, school on monday so well, you stopped I, going to school i just stopped
0: just yeah didn't go
1: back they, they thought I was going. monday i went and got a job and i've worked ever since
0: and you were a footballer you played f- yeah, football played, yeah. and for us you know real people that's soccer. soccer. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. soccer. So basically that kept you in school up to a certain yeah. period of time. And then after that, you're like, screw this, I'm the done. The
1: season was over. I went I left.
0: How did they hire you though at a jewelry store at that young age? You I didn't, was a they junior. weren't working.
1: You a junior. You know, you clean the floors, you clean the jewelry, you go for you go for sandwiches for the managers and the staff. You were junior, you know.
0: And you stayed at the jewelry store for a period of time and then you went over to the clothing industry or uh, re-
1: yeah, no, I got fired. When I, was, <laughs> I got fired. I had three jobs, I got fired from all. <laughs>
0: How the hell did you get fired? I, got,
1: I think that mosquito broke down, and I, I was late a couple of times and didn't turn up. I got fired, but I got a job. It was easy to get jobs in those days. I got a job straight away in a menswear store in another town. Um, I think I got – no, I didn't get fired from there. I applied for the job at John Michael, which was my big move.
0: Now, John Michael, tell us. What's-
1: it was a Savile Row London shop that opened in Manchester. Very exclusive, very expensive, very fancy. And I just applied for a job there. Um, went for an interview. I had to write in. Got an interview. I had a second interview. Then got my letter. Got it, and that was it. You know, it was, I was. I'm in mean, Manchester, the big city, with seeing people I never knew existed: rich people, soccer players, actors, pop stars. Everybody, everybody came to, in there. Everybody. Came so in and the
0: then, store. and then, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, the other salesman. We're kind of like this Frankie guy is starting to get to know all these people, yeah. getting a little bit of a uh, little jealousy going on. But the owner loved it because
1: the manager, the manager, the
0: manager, right? He yeah. he loved it because you were bringing in people and uh, well, you had these I was, connections.
1: Well, I, was a, I didn't have connections. I didn't know anyone. But I was, You were formulating I was best, them. Yeah, but I was the best salesman there. Like I was, I'm just a great salesman, you know, and I used to sell and um, people used to come to me too because I give them great service. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's good. And then from from there though, from my understanding, and again, I don't want to tell everybody what's in this book. You got to get this book. It's great. From my understanding though, you used to actually have people come in and request you yeah. to go fit them in their homes and Yeah. tell us a little bit about some of the people you met early on in your career that kind of put you in some of these well, positions.
1: Well, one of them was a very <clears throat> well-known and family in manchester that the mother took a liking to me this was a very top top family in manchester and she used to buy clothes for her husband and her two sons and i got very friendly with those and one was a famous soccer player a couple of famous soccer players um i mean world famous and what they both liked me and we used to go for coffee and lunch and then one of them i became he financed me for my first business
0: yeah amazing story yeah. all the way through but people don't just do that Unless you have that, they they have faith and trust course, in you. Of course, of course. And you have to build that. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit. So now you started making these shirts, mm. and you started to sell them to your friends. Yeah. Tell us how that went, and then how it kind of went and transformed into well, where it's at today.
1: Well, one of us sorry one of the guys, one of my buddies. Don't forget, we're like seventeen years old. Yeah. And then one of the guys said. Oh, where you got the shirt from? Your store? I said no, I had it made to measure. Where we came from in the, in the estate, no one. No. Custom. Never heard custom. Never heard of custom on made to measure. He tried mine on. He goes, "Oh, get me one. How much are they?" I just said three pounds. I just made it up. He said, Let me make it a bit bigger on the neck. Make it a bit bigger on the tummy." I went and got him one. He paid me the three pound. Cost me a pound. and made two pound profit, twenty five percent my wages. A few weeks later, the other couple of my buddies were get us one. I got them two delivered them and four pound fifty percent of my wages. It's fantastic. You know, if you're on if you're on hundred grand a week, all of a sudden you get hundred and fifty grand. It's like big money, you know. Yeah. Even though it was four pound, it's still fifty yeah, percent. And it went on like that, you know. Then I got fired from my job because they found out I was doing it. And
0: Yeah. So when obviously when they figured out like you're doing something on the side, yeah. moonlighting on yeah, the yeah, side, yeah, we yeah, call that. Yeah. They're like, hey, Frankie, not gonna work. Yeah. How did you take the step from leaving one job to saying, oh shit, now I've got I'm out there i've got to start this on my own how do you scale that
1: didn't it just happened it's unbelievable It just i'm like there's a page in the uh, in the book there about my life just happened you know i just went from brick to pillow it just happened you know yeah. i didn't plan it and um yeah when i got fired from john michael i obviously intended to get another job you know you have to get a job i'm 18 19 years old i've got to get a job and but I was getting security, social security, like from the government, five, right, five right. pounds a week. Yeah,
0: figures, Frank. Five pounds Figures, Frank. Good job.
1: You've got to do it. You're unemployed. Give me, I got five pounds a week. And I, started, I was making shirts. And by this time, I was getting 20 pounds a week make, making shirts. I was getting 25 pounds yeah, a you week. you didn't tell the
0: government you were doing the shirts. No, 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 no.
1: And, um, and, uh, and it's carried on. And then with not working, people would bump into people. I could really go to town then telling people i make shirts. And people were saying, you're not in John Michael anymore. No, I'm making my shirts. What shirts? I love some shirts. And it went on and on and just happened like that.
0: It got it went to that level. Now, also, you talk about in the book about how you were starting small and you hired a couple people, mm-hmm. which you know, cutters and ladies that sewed. And give us a little rundown on how that worked. That was kind of interesting how you transformed. From nothing and, and i think you were taking orders and you didn't tell people initially that you were getting them made. Right. you just um, said hey i'm doing it myself exactly. or whatever
1: exactly i said i've got a couple of women working at home but i wasn't <laughs> i was taken to a shirt maker to make
0: <laughs> which is
1: most people <clears throat> yeah. do that and then um going every day of every couple of days this place one of the women said if you ever get your own business i'll come and work for you so i always had that backup and then this uh, footballer soccer player who wanted to be my partner when i was at his house ordering shirts he went so were these made i said oh, i've got a couple of women working at home and i'm looking for a room now to put them into he said well i'll back you how much will it cost i'll back you it was 600 pound like about 900 and um, he said i'll give my money to my lawyer and he'll give it as you need it so i went to the woman and said i'm gonna start a business do you want to come and work for me but I had no orders, so she used to do them at night. So I had my room. I used to take orders, and then she would um, come at nights and make them. I would pick her up, take her home, and I got a cutter who would also cut at nights. Within a few months, I had enough business to start them full-time during the day. And then a the second woman, a third woman, it just went on like that.
0: Yeah, and it didn't go all that smooth. I mean, things were going really good, and then you were going to expand, and then people got a little bit you, – you were like, I want to do this by myself. Yeah. And you kind of wanted to try to branch off and then there was some attorneys involved and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But but one thing I really respect about you is in the book, you always you had a couple conflicts, but you always went back to the people who made it happen. And you said, listen, if that didn't happen this way, this wouldn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty impressed, and I still am impressed with the fact that you just said, Hey, we're moving forward. We're we're doing this.
1: Yeah, just happened. It, yeah. it just happened. There's no planning. It just yeah just happened it was the audrey Hepburn thing in there if you read the audrey Hepburn yeah piece that's really that's why i put it in because that's really my life you
0: know yeah it's very very important so yeah you know and then going off and then you really speak highly obviously most people do highly of the of your mom mm-hmm. right lena yeah and she basically with your dad passing away earlier she was the main your your main person your support but you really wanted to provide for her
1: she was always a main person because she of was. Course. She worked, so she, me and my dad was her life, and she worked, you know, whatever it was, 50, 60 hours a week, plus she had to run a home with a, a, an invalid husband and a son who was, you know, on the verge of being a little bit wild, you know. So it was tough for that. <laughs> so yeah, so and she never had a holiday. She never bought clothes. She had nothing. She was a poor person, and uh, she like me. She, we never knew there was another world out there. So when I did start earning money, when I was 21, then I wanted to give her back
0: yeah, whatever I could. Which...
1: And she didn't really want it, you know. Right. You know, um, you know. she came to York all summer. She'd been to Naples every winter, I really believe. She lived till she was 94, and I believe coming to Naples for two months every winter, that's why she lived longer rather than being in the cold of Manchester and the smog and fog and, you know. So I just did everything I could yeah and she didn't want it you know but it's me i felt like guilty because i never appreciated as a kid as a young man what she was doing i just thought that's normal you know you only when you get old you wow you know you i can't believe she'd give up so much for me so that's why i tried to do what i could you know yeah. even though she it, you know
0: yeah no, that's unbelievable mm. so let's talk a little bit about your lifestyle Right. So you, you're, you're like that today, when you go into a restaurant, usually if you go and, and you'll find Frank in all different kinds of places. I mean, you have your favorites without a doubt mm-hmm. in Naples. When you go in, you're going to see Frank probably talking and everybody's going to probably know him. you like that atmosphere that started early on. Tell us a little bit about your privilege about when you walked into places, you had your own tables, you had your special chairs, you had all this crazy nonsense.
1: That was just one restaurant in Manchester. Yeah, but But, but I still, you know, I go to the same restaurants. I I like the owner, the manager, the staff, and I feel more comfortable. To me, it's all about service. You know, not about the food or the decor. It's all about the service. You can go go anywhere to get a steak. You can go anywhere to get get an Italian dinner. You want to go where you get the best service. right? It's like everything. It's like my shirt business. People made better shirts than me, but no one gave the service I gave it. You know, that's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And I expect it. I still expect good
0: service. And then, but you talked about it, though. When you walked in, you always had this, I think you had this larger than life, and you always had a pretty girl with you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you paid for these girls because I look at you now. I just don't, I don't believe it. But, no, I'm just kidding. But you always had, like, models and, you know, everybody oh. with you when you walked in. it, And that was a, a cool thing, of right? Of
1: course, because, I, you know, I was 19 years old. I had the best sports car on the road, knee type Jaguar. I wore great clothes because I made them. Right. And I got in clubs and I had the VIP treatment in all these clubs, whether it was in New York, L.A. or London or Manchester. So, of course, the girls follow, you know. And I took advantage of it, I've got to tell you. And why not?
0: Most guys would have been in that position, you know. Yeah, but you got to have the personality to pull that of off. Course, of you gotta... Now, so let me talk a little bit about you. Every summer, mm-hmm. you used to go to Mallorca, Mallorca Spain, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was your like your getaway. How, how could you do that and run a business at the same time?
1: Because I would staffed in the business. Obviously, if I'd have been there 24-7, it would have been bigger and better. Right. But, uh, but you were to,
0: willing to take yeah. that.
1: Well, you just didn't realize. I'd come back. There's still... They've took orders, they've took money, and I've stood that I've had three weeks or six weeks on the beach in Spain. You know, it's just-
0: Tell us a little bit about those trips in Spain. What are some things that happened? Did you ever meet any girls while you were there? Oh, and the I- reason why I'm asking, because again, I bring this book up, Frank has got a lot of either bullshit. Or they're real. He's telling me it's real, but he's got a lot of stories about the ladies in, in I mean, Spain. In Sweden? Most of them?
1: Scanning Mace. In fact, <laughs> yesterday, last night, when me and my buddy, my next-door neighbor, was driving to Mercado for dinner, one of the Swedish girls called me. No. While he was with me, yes. Well,
0: easy, Frank. Easy. to yeah. get in trouble.
1: No, no. She's Pretend. 70
0: freaking years old now.
1: She's, um, she's met Jane. We had a reunion in Mallorca four years ago. We just put it on Facebook. 150 people came wow. from all over Europe. And this particular girl that called me last night, she came with a boyfriend. I used to date her from when she was 18 to 22. We've stayed in contact. And she came to the party for 36 hours, met Jane. A funny set to Jane. I was his young love. You're his old love. It's funny. <laughs> thought Jane was going to knock her out, but didn't she? The game friends was great. Yeah. Yeah. So Mallorca was, yeah, it was like a, it was like a chocolate factory for a kid. It was just girls. It was like
0: spring break for you.
1: Every week. And new pl- planes used to come in from Sweden and Norway and Germany with more girls. And the other girls used to go back. It was just, and we'd be there for six weeks. It was just.
0: Six weeks. And you, you liked it so much, you even bought a place there.
1: Yeah, I had a few places. Yeah, I, I had apartments above the beach club where we used to hang out. And later on,
0: I had a house built, yeah. So when you went there, did everybody know you? They yeah, pro- did they yeah. still know you if yeah. you go back? Yeah, I mean, course. people still around? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yes. that's pretty cool feeling. It's
1: not like it was. Right. But people are still living there. Right. In fact, the owner of the La Baraka Beach Club, there we used to spend every single day, he got his book yesterday and put it on Facebook. Claude Berder is my friend. Okay. He came here three years ago for a holiday to see me. He's 80, 88 years
0: old now. Yeah. Still a close friend. And so you used to go to Spain, and then your other big Christmas...
1: Barbados,
0: Barbados, yeah. You and, and we're years. and we're building up how you got to yeah, Naples, right? But yeah. so twenty-seven years going to Barbados. What, every, every Christmas? Every Christmas. Yeah. Did you did you have a problem with going away during Christmas time, or that was no, kind of some no, something you're a creature of habit, and that's crazy. what you did?
1: Anybody has a choice. Do you want to be in Manchester, England, in the rain, cold, or snow? I do understand. You want to, or do you want to be on the beach in Barbados?
0: <laughs> Hello. It doesn't matter when. It's
1: a no-brainer. Of course, anybody would be in Barbados if they could afford it, you know. And Christmas is a big ticket in Barbados. like the yeah. most expensive.
0: What's, what's something like that? Because you talked about it. What's something like that cost to go yeah. to Barbados?
1: It's, I mean, in those days, it would be 30, 40 grand. That's well, a lot. Weeks, yeah. That's a lot. Massive. So right. it's 100 now.
0: That would be at least 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it
1: depends on the hotel you stay in. Yeah, at. right. Any, any hotel is expensive. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sandy Lane now is probably for a room, a room, not a suite. It's probably four or five grand a night.
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: well, it's Colin. He has two gun
0: tonight. Yeah. Well, they at one point they had to pretty much stop people coming because mm. they're like, listen, we're filled up. We got nobody, and yeah. and the room rates were going through the roof. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So but yeah, people paying it. You know. Yeah, people pay it. Yeah, people pay it. So when you t- move move and fast forward a little bit, how did you end up in beautiful Naples, Florida?
1: Um, it's in the book, but I had a friend, an English friend, who lived in Tampa. He was working in advertising He calls me all the time, talk about soccer, talk about restaurants, talk about girls, talk about everything. And um, he said to me one time, Are you going to Barbados this Christmas? I said, Of course. He goes, How much does it cost these days to go to Barbados? I told him. He went, What? You know, you could rent a mansion in Florida for six months for that price. I was going through a period in my life where I, was, I wasn't having a nervous breakdown, but I was stressed, thinking, my staff is stealing. My girlfriends have been unfaithful. I was just going, I was stressed. You know, I was kicking tables over and angry and having fights. And um, I thought, you know, six months in Florida for the same price as two, three weeks in Barbados. I could chill, and recharge my batteries and go back and work till I die. Plus I was doing a lot of business in America so I could fly to New York, Chicago, Boston, take my shorts off, put my suit on, do me, seven days or three weeks and fly back to Florida. So that's what I did. And people told me, you don't want to be in Tampa. There's only two places to be in that Sarasota or Naples. So I came for a two-week holiday, stayed at the Ritz in Sarasota, looking at rental houses, came to Naples, looked around for a week at rentals and restaurants. And I chose Naples only because it's further south and I thought the weather would be a bit better in the winter. I didn't realise Naples is 10 times better than Sarasota. You can't tell in a week, but... um, so I chose Naples. I rented an eight thousand square feet house and the rented a Jaguar, and I'm off. That was it. I came on my Bam. own. Came on my own, fifth of December, and that was it. Didn't know a
0: what year was that. Do you um, remember?
1: Yeah, it was probably um, 2000, 2001.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah, because I ran into you. I met you, and I'm going to tell the the cool story with with our our, our person that how, how's that ever happened. But we'll, we'll talk about it with Pat McCarthy, but. I met you probably about 15 or 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a little restaurant used to go to every morning, Calistoga, you have coffee, yeah. where I met my wife, right? Yeah. And used to have coffee and you'd sit there with your buddies and some have left us since then, mm-hmm. passed away. Um, some are still, we're still connected. Yeah. We'll go in there for coffee and all that. The funny thing is, is we connected on Facebook, right? So we connect on Facebook, you know, after we met. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, we've got a mutual friend.
1: Yeah, one of my customers in New York, a real good guy, Wall Street guy, Pat McCarthy. And you went to school with him, was it? Yeah,
0: Pat and I went to school, the yeah. great thing. And he's supposed yeah. to be listening today. But if he's not, I know he's going to get the, the replay. But if you're on there, Pat, just comment, just chime in. But if, if uh, so, Pat and I went to up to middle school. Mm-hmm. So Pat was a super smart kid, um, very well known in the community, his parents and all that stuff. Great, great kid but he left pretty much after middle school and you know he was a he was a sports guy i mean he did a, did some hockey and all that stuff so next thing i know i'm getting a message you know frank rostron and he go, i go yeah how do you know him because you know sometimes you connect with yeah, these yeah. mutual friends that are really not even no one knows them but you you connected so you you made shirts for him i had
1: i had 1700 customers on Wall wall's crazy in new in in new york most of them on wall street and uh, they just I've got a buddy who wants shirts. Oh, the best one was they go, Frank, I moved from J.P. Morgan. I'm now at um, Goldman Sachs. I've got guys here. So then I've been in a New Bank. I go Goldman Sachs, and then I have their buddies there or their people in the trading floor there. I want
0: a shirt. I want a shirt.
1: Yeah. I am not what, a shirts. Yeah? Six, 12, 20, 36, 48 shirts. Wow. Some guys ordered three and four dozen.
0: Now, let me ask you this. How quickly could you, could you go by yourself? How did you measure these damn I got,
1: things? I, well, and you have to measure somebody once. Next time you go, you'd have to measure them. They just choose the fabrics. Right. Because you've got the measurements. Right. So hopefully, got, hopefully they the same. Of well, yeah. most of these guys don't put weight on. They go right. to the gym, they eat fine right. food, and they don't. But some do, but you just add a touch to the collar or a touch to the tummy, that's it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Pat was my customer for many, many years, plus his buddies. And they passed me to their friends. It just, that's what happened.
0: Yeah. Now, back then, how much did, like, one of your shirts cost?
1: I can't remember. I think when I started, it was like seventy-five dollars or something. But that was inexpensive because the competitors from London that used to go over were like one fifty, like double my price. I was, I didn't know I, I sold them too cheap, and probably that's why I was so busy. But it was still. But yeah, business, it worked you. out for you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: seventy-five bucks. I mean, you've now you used to fly in from, from Manchester, Manchester yeah. into New York, yeah. and then you would hit LA, you'd hit Miami, you'd hit all well, these places. Well,
1: first of all, just New York. Yeah, plus New York, and then a guy would call me Frank. I've moved to Chicago and I've got guys here. Do you come to Chicago? I said, no, I don't. So I've got like 10 guys here. who will shirts if you come. So I went for the day to Chicago, saw those 10 guys. And then afterwards, those 10 guys had called, Frank, I've got some friends who want shirts. I've moved from Merrill Lynch to JP Morgan in Chicago. Can you come there? I've got guys there. And that's the same happened in Boston and then LA. LA and Miami were, I had customers with nothing like the cities like Boston, New York, and yeah, Chicago. That, yeah. So I use it as a holiday. I would go to LA, yeah. to see people and stay two weeks. Yeah, there's
0: shirts up there. That's what they say. There's shirts, well, they don't, right? Well,
1: they don't wear. They, yeah. don't, they don't dress right. up in L.A. like they do in Miami. In Miami. Oh, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Palm Beach. But right. well, they still want shirts. Right. So I would go to Palm Beach and have a week's holiday and see two guys.
0: <laughs> That's good. So you, you kind of, like, got to meet all these people. Mm. You flew back and forth. Mm. That brings me to your lovely wife that, that I really adore, Jane. Yes. Tell Jane, us that story. Jane, Jane, Bond. Jane Bond. Yeah, Jane Bond. How does that story work? Because if you read the book, it's amazing. And I, I've known it before, previously, but again, read that book. How did that how did that work out? Because like, you you're you, you're a young guy, then you turn old, and you end up getting married.
1: We stopped saying <laughs> I turned old. <laughs> in the best thought last night with these young girls were coming around the table. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred. No, it's it's unbelievable because you know you believe in God, you believe in fate, I believe in your life's mapped out like a lot of people do. Um I was going on holiday to Miami with three friends. And that was a big deal in those days, once a year. This was you know, this was um, 35 years ago. And um, I flew from London to Miami with my friends. Well, I didn't need to. I could have flew from Manchester and met them there. And I don't know why I flew from London. Jane, when she left college, had a year off, a gap year, where she asked her parents, could she have a year off? She became a flight attendant so she could travel the world and see places she'd sure. never seen. She came from a family in Philadelphia that didn't have big money, even though her father had a, 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 a clubs and bars. He was still, you know, the girls Working. didn't travel. Worked. And she was on a man, she flew New York, London, and then flying back London, New York the next day. That morning she was transferred to the Miami flight because the number one on the flight was sick. And she flew London, Miami, which she shouldn't have done. And I was on that flight. So what about that for a quick? What's the chances? Unbelievable. I drove her mad for nine hours on the flight. Drove her mad. She was in first class. We was in coach. <laughs> we were sat at the back next to the toilet, like with the cheapest seat on the plane. And I drove her mad for hour, nine hours because she was beautiful. And she didn't know anyone on the flight because she didn't fly there with them. So right. she was flying back to New York, Miami on a commercial the next day. So I drove her mad. She had dinner with us that night. She must have thought with four guys, I'm safe. You know, she, she had nothing else to do. So I said, be at, be at the Fontainebleau at 8 o'clock. She turned up, took her out for dinner. She had the best night of her life. We swapped telephone numbers. No cell phones in those days. And she called me three weeks later. And she was in flying to London a couple of days later. And I went down, met her and took her out for dinner. And then we dated long distance for 18 months. Yeah, every two or three weeks, she'd fly to London. And I would drive down. So you guys were pretty tight back then. It wasn't, no. But it was, it was but it's just long it distance. Was great. Yeah, it was but, just long distance. Yeah, yeah but like, I might not see her for three weeks. And yeah. then if I was in New York, i see her in New York. And then it just faded. It never happened. She didn't call me or whatever. We never saw each other. again. Right. That was it. You know, it was great to see her for two or three days when, when she came to town because she was American. She was tall, beautiful. And then nine years later, I'm still living in Manchester and I'm walking down a side street in New York. I hear, Frankie, Frankie. She comes running. It's Jane. No way. I've not seen her for nine years. Now, you know, if I take you and tell me-